Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. Uh, lots to talk about, Jim. And um, we're going to get on yeah. to the Battle of Majerda, which we touched on the other day. But but um, uh, you want to do a proper sort of a proper grind through it, don't you? Well, I do really. I mean, I just think it's such a remarkable battle that no one ever knows about. And, mm. and you, you know, we've been talking about doing Operation Strike for eons and yep. never quite got around to it. I quite like the idea of every, once in a while doing a, a, a sort of deep dive on a specific battle. You know, it might be a, a well-known one. It might not be. It might just be a one-day action. It might be, a yeah. you know, a weed on. But, but I think sometimes it's really good to kind of get down into into yes. it and sort of um, and see what it can tell us, really. As everyone knows, we've, um, well, regular listeners surely know, is we've just done this with the Dan Busters. And I have to say, I found the um, the hour by hour of the day of the raid of the sixteenth um, uh, absolutely thrilling to do. Yeah, wasn't it? It was a laugh. I, I liked all the all the build up as well. The, yeah, the, no, it's the, all, the, it, it, yeah, it was all great fun, and and we've had some amazing feedback on that. So um, we'd just like to thank everyone for the feedback. Yeah, it's been uh, terrific. And I ended up, I ended up even succumbing to the hype and buying a one seventy second scale. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, I nearly fell off my chair because <laughs> you you, do, you don't do aircraft. I don't do aircraft, so um, this may be there may be a lot to learn. It's big though; they're really big. Is it? Well, well, I mean, you know, is it one? To, what, what is it? One to twenty four? One to no, it's one to seventy seconds. So, but like you know, mm. tanks tanks are you know rarely bigger than a iPad. To, yeah, yeah, space yeah to I see what you're saying. Yeah. This thing's got great big wings and a... Well, 102 foot wide, proportionally. <laughs> it's, it's like a gravity dam. It kind of goes down in scale. Uh, well, that's very exciting. I'm, 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 I'm going to be following that one quite yeah. quite keenly and yeah. seeing how you get on. Because I want to know what, you know, what weathering are you going to do? Are you going to sort of chip the paint? I'm just going to paint it all black. It's are you? Pretty much. What, what is it? Is it? Is it G for George or is it um, B for Popsy? Uh, I haven't, no, I, I haven't decided <laughs> you get a choice. Yet. I've got a choice. Um, uh, you? You've been in, you've been in Malta, right? Yeah, I had Malta, and actually a good number of um, IC people, and a good number of Americans actually, which I was really, really surprised about because I kind of sort of always feel that that Malta doesn't really register with Americans very much because only peripherally involved. Few a few pilots, and you know, yeah. the Ohio, I suppose, was from the Texaco company and USS Wasp and stuff. But but basically, they they you know it's not it's, it's not kind of exactly on their uh, on their radar. But but no. they were there, and they were and they were all lovely people. Um, it was great fun. Um, and I tell you what, I've, I know I've been a bit hard on Hugh Pugh Lloyd in the past, but nothing has made me change my opinion. <laughs> in fact, so, I go so far to, to say I feel even more strongly about it, about how rubbish they were and how disorganized they were and, and just how totally disgraceful it was. It took them till the middle of March 1942 to get any Spitfires over there. Yeah. It's insane. When, when, when your big prob- problem is that you've got attackers coming from 60 miles away, i.e. sort of 15 to 20 minutes flying time away, mm. what you need more than anything else is a fighter plane that can get you height advantage in that time. Yeah. What is the one fighter plane that can't do that? It's the Hurricane. It's yeah. kind of, it's absolute Achilles heel is its slowness of climb. Everyone knows that. You, how could they not know that in Malta? It's just, it's so bizarre. 
And that yeah. whole kind of hogging Spitfires thing that goes on with with Sholto Douglas and Pistol oh, Commander Lee Mallory. I mean, I just, it's just. By the way, as you know, big fan of the British war effort, but <laughs> yeah, but it's the air force. <laughs> some failing. The, the air force. The air force seems to be porous in this way to people who um, to people making big decisions. That that um, yeah. you know what I mean. I know the army. I just is find too. it. I just find it extraordinary. I, I, absolutely extraordinary. And 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 I don't know. We've talked about the march convoy before, but all that. It's just. It's just. You know, when you're there, you just think it just it just seems even more kind of crass and kind of people not thinking things through and not planning. So that, you, that wasn't one where you you revisit the scene and and rethink you 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 rethought and you came out thinking the same. More so. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, did I mean, you? It's like, it's like, yeah, go on, go on, go on, did you, you have any luck with finding out what? Because sh- a, a friend of mine who's a water rat, the Honourable Order of Water Rats, which is an ancient show business oh, yes. sort of guild. Uh, I, th- I think I'm sort of kind of slated to maybe join the water rats. And it's, sort of, it, it's amazing. It, it goes all the way back in right into music hall. So it's, you know, oh. it's, it's Fred Carno. It's names, it's names from the, the old past of music hall entertainment. And it's full of lots of, I've, I've, I've spoken to dinner there once. It was full of sort of old, Lovely old yeah. buggers, basically. But Sholto Douglas was a water rat. I, um, did you okay, find- yeah, I completely forgot to do anything about that. I'm going to. Look, I'm making a note for myself now because it's kind of strange that he was, yeah. unless you know his wife was a dancer or something. You know what I mean? And it, 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 and I know he's married three times. Whether 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 he had some show business connection that got him into the water rats, or whether he'd been good to them in the war, or you you, you, you know yeah, what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, uh, let, let me find out. I'm going to look into that, and I will okay. not rest until I have an answer. But okay. but I. Um, I mean, Bowler Cash, Shota Douglas was supposed to be a really good bloke. I mean, everyone kind of really liked him. Yeah. Well, maybe that's it. You know, the rhubarbs were an absolute shower and, <laughs> and hogging all the Spitfires was just wrong on every level. <laughs> um, so, so, so what you did know, you... I held him personally responsible. So did but you do what... like a like a weekend's battlefield tour then at Malta? Well, it was about four days. It was really good fun, actually. And one, one of the, uh, and we sort of, you know, I recruited Timmy Gambine and we had a, mm. we had a fantastic, we, I, I made them all walk. <laughs> there was some of them, it was a bit like kind of doing the lion route, <laughs> that sort of route march around Valletta. There's no other way to do it properly. That's the problem. Yeah. And the, the, the problem with doing Malta is you can't do it chronologically. You just can't because it's, it's, it's locational rather than chronological. Yeah. So you, there's lots of stuff a bit sort of out of sequence, but that's okay. So, you know, kind of we, one day was dedicated to air power and that's we went up to sort of to Cali and Medina and yeah. stuff. I tried to t- take them to where the two cannons from um, um, Richard McCann's um, Spitfire, where it plunged into the ground. They're still sticking out. I think I just couldn't find it. It was really embarrassing. Oh, no. Yeah, I felt a bit bad about that, but they all forgave me. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, and then we, we did a kind of harbour cruise with Timmy Gambine and one of his mates. The great thing is, is when you've got complete control of it, and it's not one of those sort of tourist ones, you can go, can you just stop by Manuel, you know, can you stop by the Lazaretto right outside the kind of the arches where the submarine base was? Yeah. And let's just sort of linger there for a bit. And we, you know, and we did, and, and we went to Frenchman's Creek. And, you know, and the most amazing thing was on the on the breakwater, and I kind of, I tweeted a post about this. On the breakwater, you can see all these, on the, uh, you can see all these cannon um, shots that have yeah. dented into the concrete. And you think, yeah. what the heck, how did that get there? There. Okay, but the angle is that they're absolutely fired um, horizontally, straight right. and level. Timmy said, w- w- "Well, what's happening is is that the you know the the Junkers eighty eights are diving in on the harbour, and then they're going as low as they possibly can, so that the guns around the around Grand Harbour and on the three cities can't depress enough." to get them and then they're just shooting it up as they're you know they're shooting up as they're flying through and that's that's what it is and i'll tell you what there's no there's no other answer for it there's no other explanation it's not it's not you know remnants of the of the italian e-boat attack on the breakwater bridge because 
you know, where they were attacked because the angles are all wrong. It's, it's absolutely someone firing straight and level and going straight over. And so that means that they're firing at it at about, you know, they're about kind of eight foot off the water. It's all a bit desperate, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite exciting, though. I mean, you know, the thought <laughs> of it. These <laughs> Junkers 88s hurtling towards the breakwater or whatever. But anyway, so that was all very interesting. But it's good. It was good. We had good fun, actually. Yeah, and lots of IC members. And by the way, actually, um, uh, it was uh, my dad's birthday at the weekend. Oh, how was he? Lots of very sweet. Happy birthday to the Colonel. Yeah, lots of very 86. um, uh, Bloody hell, really? Yeah, I know. It's quite the innings. And and he, uh, lots of very sweet messages from people, which I read to him. I mean, he had a glass of wine. Oh, quite sentimental. I completely missed nice. that. I'm sorry. No, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, it, it, it was a good day. And he, he told us about, I mean, I don't you know, he told us about when his, when his father would have been, and it would have been in the summer of 1940, they were billeted near Woburn um, in a sort of okay. rectory or something, small, a small, a small, large house, if you see what I mean. Um, uh, with lots of the sort of political warfare, people who then became the political warfare executive, you know, um, and, he th- he thinks he remembers, or he says he remembers, and I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say I believe him. Um, General well, de Gaulle coming around that Amazing. for dinner to talk Amazing. to them about to talk to this bunch of people because my grandfather had been a journalist before the war in the, at the BBC um, before before he got co opted by the Foreign Office spoke lots of languages so they were obviously talking to must have been talking to de Gaulle about messaging what they were going to do. Um, but Amazing. he says he, you know, I believe it. I believe that he remembers that. I, I believe it. I mean, it, yeah. Well, I don't well, know well, what I remember you? from when I was three, but you know, I can. My earliest memory is is being put down in my cot in in my in the corridor between the top of the stairs in our house where I was brought up and where my parents' bedroom was. I, I can really, like, it. It's not a false memory. I know it, but not so by I must have been, Gaulle, I must have been two or. It's not Daniel de Gaulle, but I would have been. But I, my point is, I would reckon I would have been two then. Yeah. So if I can remember that as yeah. a thing, then I yeah. reckon your well, dad I, can remember General de Gaulle at three. Well, I, I, I mean, I believe. I mean, I do. I do actually, because I, I, I remember a, a birthday party when I must have been when I must have turned three on a climbing frame. I remember, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. Eight, I, three, I, so got, I got a I got a Ford treadle, uh, pedal tractor. <laughs> this so is what people. This is what people. Tune in for, subscribe for. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's adding weight to your father's memory. That's my no, point. It's, it, 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 it might no. have been eighty-three years ago, but it's crystal clear in his mind. Yeah, no, it's 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 a. I, I, I mean, I that whole group of people before you know in in the in the in the wake of the strategic earthquake where they're figuring out what to do. And how you actually address the messaging, you know, la, la, la guerre, uh, uh, you know, la bataille, c'est perdu, mais pas la guerre, all that sort of stuff. How you piece all that together, that's really, really interesting. And, and also, you know, at that stage of the war, no one knows who de Gaulle is, but he's all you've got. He's the only card you've got to play in, in, in that regard. And that's interesting in itself. The other thing is, of course, he's a very tall and striking fella. Yes, yes, I reckon. I reckon most people, if you'd met General de Gaulle, he wouldn't be. The, it's not the kind of face or look or presence that you'd, you'd forget. easily forget. Now we were going to talk about um, Operation Strike, weren't we? So yes. the Battle of Majorda, which we did touch on last time we were talking about Tunisia. But you want to do a like a well, proper- I do, and I and I, and I and I think there's so many interesting things about it because it's a move from the desert war to kind of you know European war, really, in terms yep. of geography. 
Yeah. So Tunisia, you know, the, everyone sort of thinks that the desert war and the war in North Africa is is all desert, and it just isn't. No. And it is deserty in in the south, where US two corps were under Patton in kind of March nineteen forty three. You know, Gafsa and all those sort of places, and Sidi Bouzid, where the uh, the Catherine battle starts. You know, Rommel's lot come through the pass of the eastern dorsal and smash into First Armoured Division. That's all desert. Um, the Battle of the Marathon. That's all desert. It's all kind of you know stony scrub and but but once you get on a sort of level with with tunis and above it's actually for you know if you look on a map it's actually further north than parts of southern europe it's pretty it feels mediterranean you know it's lots of oak forests and cork forests and and lots of trees and it suddenly becomes a lot greener i mean not so obviously in high summer but it's it's, yeah i mean all of that first parachute brigade fighting that they do where you know when they're inserted to to know for no obvious reason or reason or benefit (laughs) clear aim at all (laughs) yeah um and they're picking drop zones from the door of the aircraft and all that sort of stuff that's all about um olive groves and forests and green hillsides it's it's not it's not and i think i mean i actually you know i think you you have people expecting to go to the desert when they're going to north africa don't you and they're not going to they're not going you know the ordinary men think they're oh, we're absolutely the not and they're absolutely not oh, and we and we touched on on one of the north africa episodes we did we touched on sort of places like Sidi nazir right i mean I, yeah. I remember going there and it is a kind of sort of a railway halt and stuff but it's it's all kind of grassland it's kind of big sort of you know when you sort of see westerns and you you see them sort of disappearing over kind of you know into sort of wyoming or north dakota or something yeah. you know that sort of big rolling undulating grasslands you get and yeah the lone cowboy and all the rest of it yeah that's what it's like or like the veld the uh so they can the veld yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah exactly that okay that's a good one but i've got a couple, a couple of quotes here which i thought i'd, I'd just read out because they're, they're quite interesting well maybe i'll read the first one then you read the one by by tuca okay as he's coming up, they're traveling up yeah. on the on the first of April. But this one is by Captain Uni Naya, who's a who's a fourth Indian Division PR man, and, and the, the, he's talking about their transition from from Eighth Army, where they're kind of sort of behind the Infidaville position mm. on the kind of eastern side of the eastern dorsal. So there's, there's, there's this chain of mountains that runs straight down the kind of parallel to the eastern, yeah, the east coast of Tunisia, but a bit inland. And that's where they were. So they then have to move through the yeah. dorsal and up into the north. And he writes, when darkness fell on the April the 30th, a steady stream of vehicles was passing through the holy city of Kairouan on the long southern route to Spitler, where ruins of the old Roman city still stand. Headlights were allowed, but after years of blackout, only one vehicle in five had bulbs. Driving steadily through the night at a regulated pace, they passed Shaiba and came into the fertile valleys of central Tunisia, with trim, tidy crops mounting to the hill crests, neat villages reminiscent of the midi girt about with almond and fruit orchards, or with rich pasture land in which contented sheep continued to graze as the unending convoys bowled past. Wow, that's. I mean, you know, it gives you a, such a strong flavour of the, of the landscape, and of course, yeah. it's just the absolute opposite of the desert through yeah. which they've travelled since Alamein, you know, all the yeah. way from you know, sort of only sixty miles in from Alexandria. I mean, yeah. literally yeah, the whole coast. It's incredible. Well, you see it in the uniforms, don't you? Is that is that the, the, the people are wearing trousers, aren't they? British soldiers are wearing trousers by this point. It's more temperate. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, it, 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 yes, it's it is somewhere different, isn't it? And like you say, I mean, it's sort of it it. It's as got as much actually got a fair deal in common with what's to come in Italy. Ma- mountain features, plains, uh, you know, needing to control the, the 
tops of the hills and stuff. Yes, Tuca says, that morning I pitched my tent in dewy knee-high grass, speckled with poppies and marigolds. Each side of me rose the rich green hills and leafy copses. It was very near heaven, as near as are the lush meadows, the poplars and the rills of clear water into which the tortoises plop that fill the valleys of northern Persia to the traveller as he enters from the wilderness. There are times in war when even the most ardent devotee of battle longs to lay aside his weapons. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, he had a way with words, Tuca. Quite the wordsmith, and um, he so so that's that's probably that's at the very end of April where yeah. they're they're moved up, and that doesn't give him a lot of time because he um, they're now attached to Nine Corps, which yeah. is part of First First Army. Yeah, and the amazing thing is the com- Nine Corps commander is none other than Lieutenant General John Crocker. You know, from he who is about to be sacked in yeah. in, in, in 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 Normandy, yeah. the following year. But he's been wounded by a fragment from a pier while he's been watching a demonstration. <laughs> How on earth did that happen? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I mean, think that I think if you're new to the pier and not, it's entirely possible that <laughs> something went wrong. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, so anyway, so he's out of the action. So, so yeah. Horrocks, who's the Ten Corps commander, has been given temporary command of of Nine Corps, which is amazing. Well, um, and and because he's a Monty, he's he's a Monty chap, isn't he? That's what that's how that's happened. That's yes. Mo- Monty trying to insert one of his fellows into into so that he can sure then claim influence out. over the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what's happening. But anyway, so that, so so that you know, the day after he arrives, um, um, Tuca turns up to the Nine Core Conference, and uh, and gets there, and and this is at Mejez El Bab, which is at the kind of yeah. sort of edge of the Mejez El Bab, lies on the Majerda River. And the Majerda River is a sort of you know, it's decent size sort of winds its way through this beautiful, really rich, sort of red russet soil. It's incredibly um colours, it's sort of real sort of ochery colour, you know, it's 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 very strong there. And, and this lovely sort of rolling grassland. So the Majerda Valley, it does have these on the northern side, it has these quite dramatic hills, you know, Grenadier yeah. Hill, Longstop and all the rest of it. Yeah. But on the southern side of the Majerda, it's it's a lot more kind of gentle and rolling and, and sort of softer. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the the town is at Mejaz El Bab, and that's where they're kind of you know that's where they have their their, their conference. And um, it's reported that that enemy emplacements are are, are in concrete, um, just up in the in the middle of the valley, so sort of south of Taborba, which is a little town, which is I guess about kind of ten miles north east of Mejaz El Bab. On yeah. the on the river, and 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 the, the and the and the German line, and it is Germans here, not not Italians, sort of runs across the valley, and it's quite wide. It's probably a sort of you know five yeah. five six mile wide valley, south of the south of the river. Yeah, um, and there's these you know there's reports of concretes and and mines, and very possibly wired. Um, and they're about a mile ahead of the front line of the first and the fourth divisions, British first yeah. and fourth divisions. So that's where they are. So that's he yeah. says that they they spend a time looking over the line of attack and um, they're looking for traces of mining and wire. And we could see none of these horrors, but that didn't mean they weren't there. So how they're actually figuring out what's what's in front of them and then what yeah. to do about it becomes yes. becomes the issue, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but but they're, they're, they're sort of hands that, you know, he's immediately thinking, okay, this isn't brilliantly organised because he's been told under no circumstances can they do any patrol work um, because, you know, it's essential that the Germans don't know that that um, 4th Indian Division has been moved up. Yeah. So he's thinking, well, that 
that's fine as long as the divisions in in first army you know the first and fourth british divisions are good at patrolling but what he's experienced of so far is not not up to his exacting standards so he's a little bit dubious about that yeah um yeah and um anyway and then he's told about the battle plan so they said well what we're going to do is we're going to go in at dawn um it'll be carried by a forward barrage so yeah, Jacob just thinks, right, we're back at 1918 all over Which again. is literally what he says. The attack was to go in at dawn and be carried forward by a barrow, so we were back at 1918. I mean, isn't that amazing? Yeah. But yeah. but on the other hand, the, the, the frontage is is, is, so, is 3,000 yards wide. That's that's decent. That's kind of, you know, not quite two miles. That's sort of one and three quarter miles, isn't it? Something yeah. like that. So so he thinks that sounds okay. And they said, well, what do you think you'll need? And he says, well, I'd, I'd like 400 guns, please, um, each with 1,000 rounds per gun, um, i.e. one gun every five yards. Mm. Um, what I really want is um, um, I want concentrations. And the plan is for, for 4th Indian Division to be on the left, 4th British Division to be on the right. It's all rather confusing. And, and this means that the 4th Indian is going to have to take the kind of the slightly higher ground. There's these series of points, one one six five point one four five, and of course that is measurements in feet. So you're talking, you're getting the idea that this is not a particularly high ground, but is still dominating enough. And if you if you kind of, it's interesting because if you look at Google Earth, you can you can see it quite clearly. There's uh, what is called Taburba in the old days is now called Karish Al Wadi, yeah. um, and just just sort of east of that, there's a series of hills, and there's also another hill called the Jebel El Mengub south of the valley and the germans are on these so obviously if you're advancing on the kind of sort of lower ground towards this up the valley you'll be seen yeah. and you know germans observers can direct 88 millimeters and they can direct artillery fire and also he you know tuka makes the point that if you don't need a huge number of defenders if you've got lots of automatic weapons machine guns and what well, have you that 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 i mean that uh, that after all is that is the is the as long as the enemy had plenty of automatics he did not need many infantry in his positions to deal with this by day i mean that's the that's the story of how the rest of the second world war proceeds essentially doesn't it if the germans exactly have automatic that. weapons they're going to be very difficult to winkle out and they've got the high ground and they've got the high ground he, he's very interesting though because he says the idea that they've got they've been given six pounders to, to deal with um armored anti tank anti tank attacks you know to to to, to offer but an also a regiment screen. of seventeen pounders and a regiment of seventeen pounders um never in all our time had we seen such ple- plenty we goggled the army really meant business and that's so interesting because this is the beginning of the of the allies having the stuff having the tech the tech has caught up and in fact once the seventeen pounders come it, it that's that. You don't need anything beyond that for the rest of the war in terms of anti-tank power punch. And in fact, the six pounder with the, with the, uh, you know, the fin stabilized with the sabo round rather turns into this essentially turns into the same thing. It, it completely, you don't need anything beyond that. What we're into now with the British army is this phase of, all right, we've got this stuff. We've got the kit, all the kit we could ever possibly need. Cause they're not going to bring, you know, they're not going to bring in an automatic rifle or something, are they? The, the, the kind of technologically static kind of from here on in obviously there's stuff to come in the you know the following year when you end up with you know uh gun laying radar and all that sort of stuff and stuff for listing out for mortars and all those sort of the the high tech end but the sort of pointy end stuff has reached its kind of culmination in terms of development so what you've now got to do is actually figure out how to use them figure out and be effective in how you use them and that's what this battle sort of is a 
is a calling card for, isn't it? Absolutely. And, 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 it, and it's, it's that meeting of the old school thinking with new school thinking, yeah. which I think yeah. is so interesting, what makes yeah. the battle so interesting. Yeah. So, so, so at the first conference, Tuka says, well, well, you know, what we absolutely need is, you know, it's great that we've got all this plenty, but what we need is concentration is not a barrel, and we yeah. need to make most of the fact that it's moonless at this time and attack by night. And what we'll do, that means we can get through the German defences and get onto those high points before the yeah. Germans even know what's happening to them. And then at first light, the armour can then pour through and we can't have a repeat of Wadi Akarit. We're, we're, we're gonna, this, this is what's going to happen. And he's like, absolutely no way, Jose. There's no way we're operating at night. It'll just be complete chaos and the whole thing will break down. And Tika's sort of thinking, well, you know, 4th fourth, fourth British Division might if they're not trained well enough, but my guys can do it absolutely fine. So he, he thinks, okay, well, I'm going to hold my tongue for the moment. He just goes, okay, fine. Well, let me go off and do a, do a recce. The recce they are allowed to do is go onto this sort of knob that sort of overlooks the whole thing, and there's a trench up there, and they can get in there with their with their field glasses and and have a look at it all, and that's what they do. And it goes off with with um, with Brigadier Bill Dimmeline, who is the um, his CRA, his Commander Royal Artillery, and they have a look at it, and 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 they realise absolutely clearly looking across this valley that there are these hills, that's where the Germans are. I mean, when we talk, again, you know, not very high, but but significant. The Germans will be there with observers. There's the emplacements. Whether there's wire or not is kind of neither here nor there. But the point, point is, if you do it in daylight, there'll be this big barrage, lots of smoke. The timing's going to be difficult. Because it's a barrage, not a concentration, what that means is you've lined up 400 guns and they're all firing directly ahead of them. Each, each gun is firing its own patch straight ahead so it's like a it's like a wall of of shells just coming down but it's not a concentration of shells on one particular area and what will happen is the barrage will lift lots of germans won't have been killed because they rarely are when they're dug in and then they'll be able to shoot all the all the infantry which are advancing in broad daylight yeah well and then and 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 their anti-tank screen will be able to turn itself back on and and, surviving guns and all that sort of thing yeah he can just see that this is going to make the task for the Germans very easy and the task for them very difficult and will result in a lot of casualties. But he knew, he, he's absolutely convinced that a night battle is the answer. Doing this in darkness and using concentrations of artillery. So using these 400 guns, but using them to absolutely pinpoint and take out specific targets and just absolutely smother each of these, these you know, so if there's eight, 88 millimeters, take them all out one at a time. But, yeah. you know, with 400 guns all firing at one or, you know, yeah. one battery or whatever. Um, and, you know, clearly he's absolutely right. And he, and he says, we could see a crushing victory in a great pursuit if we went at, a, at night and a cheap one at that. Well, which which really matters after all, because he said, you know, he's had three battles in over a month. So they're, you know, and the thing we've talked about a lot lately is PBI wastage, you know, that 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 the infantry battalions are obviously under strength because they've been fighting for for months, and uh, that's that's exactly the sort that's exactly the moment where what you're looking for is cheap attacks. A, you don't want to f- sort of finish those battalions off and shatter their morale as well, which is the other no, exactly. Uh, and and B, you don't have the you, you haven't got the people. You can't afford to do it people wise. Um, and so so he's so he's. It's that thing of you know necessity's driving him, but also his own ingenuity to come up with this um, to come up with this um, plan. But he can't he can't sell it in. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back to um, Francis Tuca get finally getting his way. I mean, obviously with a series of Chinese burns or something.
I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kaye, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii, okay? And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy, and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Weird Ways of Making You Talk <laughs> with me, I'm Harry James Holland. Uh, we're just talking... Um, just imagine if you did do this. Do it my way. I'm going to give you a really bad Chinese burner. All right, well then. <laughs> all right then, Francis. <laughs> all right, all right, Gertie. All yeah, right, Gertie. So uh, it, it's interesting, this, though, because in his memoir, he sort of says, oh, you know, I, 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 I decided not to press the matter and all that sort of thing. And uh, I get the feeling that he, he did go home and kick the bin in his... Back to his ability to kick the yeah, bin in his office. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And, it, and it's funny because he goes back to the second, second you know, he's, they, they say, well, you know, trot off and have your have your recce and then come back and we'll have a further discussion about mm. it. So they've done, him and Dimeline have done the, the, the recce. They come yeah. back and they say, you know, I'm even more determined that what we need is a night, night, yeah. a night attack and concentrations. But interestingly, the fourth division commander is dead against this because that's something he hasn't done before. And this is Ginger Hawksworth, who actually yeah. ends up being a very, very good commander in Italy later on in the war. Um, and, um, and, and is right in it to the end. In fact, actually, I think he takes his division over to Greece, if I remember rightly, in final stages. Right. But, but, but Ginger Hogsworth is, is, you know, he's comparatively new on the scene at this point. Um, and he doesn't like it because it's unfamiliar and it just seems, you know, operating at night seems fraught with risk and all the rest of it. But you know what? Fair enough. Because this is the attitude that, that, that's being instilled in people is you don't take on things that you don't know you could pull off. Right. You know, because because after all, if you do something that fails, the effect, apart from failing in battle, the effect is you've then got to persuade your men probably to have to do it again. And that's more difficult yep. if the last time they did it, they botched it. So, exactly. so I think you need to be, you, you have to be sympathetic to the to, to some of the caution here and some of the, well, we can't Definitely. do that because we've not done it before. I think you really do. Yeah. And, it, and uh, although although he does then, he does then, 
thrash it out and get his way, doesn't he? Well, eventually. But but it's interesting that, that Hawksworth doesn't agree. And because Hawksworth is a First Army man, obviously he gets his way because Tuka's the new kid on the block coming yeah. in with his la-di-da desert ways. Anyway, so he goes back and, and goes back to his brigade, gets all his brigadiers and his, his battalion mm. commanders around and explains mm. them around. And, you know, they're all a bit put out about this and grumpy because they're all absolutely up for it because they're yeah. trained in it and they know what they're going to do and, and all the rest of it. So it's... it's 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 not until the even on the third planning conference which follows you know i mean and he makes a comment doesn't he it's sort of you know so that was round two but we weren't overly worried because it was you know more to come and it wasn't yeah like, you know the, the the that wasn't the end of the matter and so they go back for a third planning conference and again chica stresses his points and 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 this time it's agreed that concentrations would be fired so he's yeah. chipping away and, it, and his argument is persuasive enough. He's going, look, just think about it. You know, get rid of all those 88 millimeters. We can do this. Concentration's way forward. And he, you know, and he just talks, uh, talks it be- very convincingly. And frankly, it's hard, hard to kind of sort of argue with it. And, and he exposes, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely sure he would have exposed all the shortcomings of barrages and, yeah. and the complications and timings and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it. And this way you get rid of all this and let's get some extra foos in, you know, some forward observation yeah. orders and all the rest of it. And he also, crucially, and I think this is really, really important. He gets he gets it agreed that Dimeline will command the artillery. It's not the core CRA yeah. or even the First Army CRA. It is the Fourth Indian Division CRA, Commander Royal Artillery, yeah. Dimeline, who is going to be in charge of the artillery battle plan on this attack. And yeah, that, which is amazing, that really. suddenly puts Fourth Indian Division in the driving seat for the whole battle. Suddenly yeah. they're dictating it. And that ultimately means that it's Tuka's show, not Hawksworth's and not Horrocks. Horrocks yeah. is just sort of whatever, you know, back at core headquarters. And they've also brought in, they've also been told that they can bring in some US long toms, which are these 255 millimeter guns as well. So that's all great. So he's still got his sort of, you know, he's got his land of plenty in terms of yeah. firepower. And then Tuka goes and has a private chat with Horrocks and, and they call for Hawksworth. Then it's the three of them in a kind of mano a mano scenario. And of course, you're just not going to be able to, you know, Hawksworth just melts in the face of this because Horrocks has learned to trust Tuca. Tuca's got his way with the artillery. So once you've got the, your way with the artillery, you might as well get your way on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, Hawksworth yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't, obviously, I mean, I wasn't, obviously we weren't there, so we don't know exactly what was said. And Tuca's curiously coy about what was said. But but clearly he didn't didn't hold back. And... He makes quite disparaging comments about, you know, the place to plan a battle is not in a core conference. It's kind of, you know, man to man. Yes. I mean, he, 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 he isn't a fan of Horrocks later on in, in, in his writing. He's, he, you know, says he's a Monty boy and doesn't know what he's doing and all that sort of thing. And the so-called Jorrocks and all that. He doesn't, does not like him. Maybe that's because Horrocks said to him, well, if you, if the, if you screw this up, you know, you're finished, don't you? I expect that's the, some of the tenor of the uh, conversation. But he does get his way. Yeah. Um, there's a compromise. They're going to, they're going to agree at 3 a.m. So that means that Tuke has got sort of two to three hours of darkness yeah. and he reckons his men can, can get up onto this high ground. I mean, we're not talking about huge distances here. You know, it's sort of like a couple of miles. They've got a, well, mm. it's a mile to the German lines. So they yeah. haven't got, they've got to get up there, get in position overnight and they can do that. And as long as they start on time, you know, that's all fine. They brought up extra, extra forward observation officers. And what this means is there's extra people to call on concentrations as and when they're needed. So the idea about the concentration is rather than going ahead with a barrage, launching with a barrage, you move silently. So you move through these fields of corn. And of course, as we know from the Battle of Waterloo, corn in those days came up to your shoulder. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really high. It's only when it's since it's been sort of you know, modified yeah. that we have have to corn be that's so short. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's easy for corn on horses, but also it gets less. It's less exposed to wind. Yeah. And getting yeah. blown over by wind. So that's that's some that's the main yeah. thing. So so it used to be naturally. It's it's really tall. So you wait through that, and these these infantry will just move forward silently, stealthily. And of course, what does that remind you of? It reminds you of, of operating in the in the jungle, doesn't it? Yeah at night in the Arakan or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, it's exactly the same principle. Or against Cookie or against Cookie Tridesman in the early 1920s, you know, which is after yeah. where Tuca learned all his le- hard lessons. Exactly that. That's the principle behind it. And you only get these 400 guns firing when you've got targets to fire. The other thing is is the use of the um they, he's also brought up some 3.7 inch anti-aircraft guns. First time they're used by the by yep. the Royal Artillery, I think. Um, um, certainly, you know, big complaints about them not being used in the desert before, but they are absolutely used here in yep. an anti-tank role in case there's tigers and what have you. Yeah. Um, specifically for that. And what he's also got, he's got some, so he's going to lead off with his fifth brigade, take the high ground. Uh, and the whole point is that they're going to do this on their own with fourth division on their flank coming in behind. You know, they'll come in a bit later. So the, the whole battle is going to be launched and led off by, by Fourth Indian. And I think that was one of the kind of bargaining chips for them getting their way. Yeah. Him saying, well, we'll do it on our own then. Yeah. You know, yeah, don't yeah, worry about yeah. it. Don't worry about we'll it. We'll do the difficult bit. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get the high ground. We'll go off first. We'll break through the line. He also makes sure that 7th Army Division will absolutely be ready to push through at 7 a.m. <laughs> There's going to be no repeat of Wadi accurate. The moment they're given the signal... They need to just just charge forward. Well, well, I'm just struck by that. This is all, you know, this is all quite complicated, isn't it? Actually, or ambitious at least, given given the way things have been played out in in the desert up to this point, isn't it? You know, and it's also not doing the standard Eighth Army thing of you do you do a you do a push on the right and a hook on the left. He's breaking. I can see why there's resistance to this, because the other thing is these concentration of fire barrages, they really very much rely on radio communication working. So this has got to be a byproduct. He's able to plan this and able to offer this and able to execute this is a byproduct of the number 19 set coming on and being good and people being familiar with it. And, the, and you know, the Piver, Mark, the Mark II, the yeah, Canadian that's a really good point. Coming. And because because a year, but, you know, imagine trying to pull this off a year earlier. Yeah, it's just not going to happen, is it? May 1942. What's happening in May 1942 is everyone's, you know, the entire thing's fallen to pieces. Radio yeah. communication, you know, you, you, you've you got, because, I mean, it's fascinating you say 7th Armoured there, because 7th Armoured, you know, their genealogy is that, they're desert. They're the desert force from before the war, who have who have been sort of coagulated via a process of training, and you know yeah. Percy, Percy Hobart, who gets them going with the radio net in like nineteen thirty nine, and they've reached the point where they become essentially radio self sufficient, Seventh Armoured, and end up not talking to anyone else because the because their whole thing is well, we can't rely on the gunners to turn up on time, so we'll push on, and a great deal of the sort of push on thing that the armored formations have is as much to do with the fact they haven't been netted properly with with artillery they don't trust anyone else to to deliver on you know uh, the promises they're making and that you know the, the fact that Tuca is able to say to seventh armored you will be ready at seven o'clock in the morning that's when you're going to push through and you're this is the role for your churchills and that everyone can talk to each other and he, he's right but you know the idea that things aren't won at core conferences but certainly a core conference will work if everyone if everyone 
you know, you, you just think what um, uh, uh, Neil Richie's army conferences were like a year ago and that he's able to have the confidence. And it's this, I think, said earlier on, you know, the technology sort of reached the point that it needs to arrive at. I think this is a really good example of that because he's able to to plan for and aim at things that you just wouldn't have been able to conceive of doing a year earlier. And a lot of that is the tech. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, a, that's a really, really good point. I think you're absolutely bang on. I mean, it's it. Uh, of course, it is, and and the fact that the you, you've got extra food, so that means extra radio sets, so that means extra yep. clogging of the airwaves. Yeah, but and, it can and, all be done now, and 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 it couldn't before. I mean, the terrain helps them because it's not it's not mountainous, it's not wooded. Yep. You know, it, it's sort of lovely, wide open, undulating going, which is sort of perfect for radio traffic. So. All that the, the the geography of it is is in your, is to their advantage, but but fine, you know that doesn't take away from the the meticulous planning for it or no. or the rightness of the course in which they take. And it, and it's also interesting, I think, that they you know they get all the aerial picks they want. They arrive on the morning of the fifth of May. This is going to go in on the morning of the sixth of May. Yeah. Um, 1943. They've also got these Churchills. They've got a they've got a um, a, a regiment of Churchill tanks, which are also part of this new tech that you're talking yeah. about. That's yeah, just yeah, new yeah. in, which can, <clears throat> you know, they're slow and comes in, but they've got big armor. They've got you know decent gun, and they've got obviously they've got this ability to go up, you know, steeper slopes and yeah. slopes than, than any other tank in existence at the time. So all of that is good. And the, and the Chuka's plan is for his fifth brigade to advance, take those high points, and then seventh brigade to kind of move through, and then have his third yeah. brigade in, in reserve. And the idea for the for the again, I think this is really really interesting. Is so that when the when the infantry are moving forward, the Churchill tanks will be behind them in hold down positions. Yeah. So that so that they can support them, you know, at first light if they need to, and because they'll be in hold down positions, they'll be able to take on any enemy armor if there's a counter attack. Um, and then once once that's happened, once that stage is, um, has, has passed, then the Churchills will move up alongside the, the the infantry and start moving in between them, yeah, in in a in a more traditional role. And he's also worked out that they're going to have gunner observation officers and direct comms to the artillery, yeah. so they can the, the, so that the Churchills can also bring in extra um, artillery cover should they need it. Yeah. So it's incredibly yeah. well planned for something that's been pushed together, only agreed kind of, you know, on the on the 4th of May. You know, this has all happened in very quick order. But think, but, but again, you go back to a year earlier that this is, you know, this is science fiction to... Uh, yeah. And then, then, of course, you know, what what, what Tuka says with, with a sort of no small amount of smugness is if the approach to battle is good, then the battle will be easy. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, Gertie, you know. <laughs> But 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 actually, it all does kick off exactly as planned. You know, the infantry start moving forward at three thirty. Uh, Fifth brigade, they take point one six five and and one point four five, and they're 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 really really well through. Uh, and there's this <laughs> this is the the immortal line from Christopher Buckley, who is a war reporter from the Daily Telegraph, who is accompanying them. And he goes wait he goes wading through ripening grain, breast high. The aroma of crushed corn and wild thyme came to us mingled with the smell of cordite yes yes um <laughs> about oh three twenty hours we heard the roar of tanks on our left and right the churchills were closing up 
I mean, it's just, it's, it's terrific. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they've, they've, they've bitten forward. They, they're able to, the silent infiltration through the corn, the Germans just haven't heard them coming at all. Yeah. They're just, they're just not alert to it. So they're, they're on the German positions a mile ahead of the start line yep. before the Germans know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. very quickly, they're able to pinpoint where these 88 millimetres are yep. and call in the concentrations who just totally obliterate them. You know, it is, it is total carnage. So point one four five is taken by, by 0440, uh, and 4th Indian Division are on that with less than 50 casualties. Amazing, so isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. And what I think is really amazing is that 800 yards behind the 1st 4th Essex, who are part of 5th Brigade, the 70 trucks are now hurried forward with anti-tank ammunition and, and what Tuka refers to as defensive stores. I'm not quite sure what that is, but I suppose mm. ammunition stuff, generally a kit. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's that's deep battle, isn't it? I mean, that's what, that's what the Soviets are doing. It's that kind of <laughs> – it's that principle that you have yeah. your service corps trucks right behind you, ready to go, and they're actually part of the battle yeah. rather than just loitering behind and coming at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put a big – and you put uh, – I mean, this is going to come out wrong. You do a – you make sure there's a large dump at the front of things, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, and there's a carrier of the uh, carrier, um, the carriers from C Company mm. and the first four Essex. They completely overrun a Nebelworth battery because they're just upon them before the Nebelworth battery yeah. knows what's what's going on. Yeah, um, uh, and they've been in action against the fourth British division, so that's them out. Yeah. Then point one six five is taken, and 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 seventh brigade sweeps through exactly. As, as planned. And suddenly they've punched that big hole through the, through the German line. The whole yeah. thing is gone. The, you know, the line's collapsing and Germans are just streaming back. And, and, and seventh armored is on the move at 0730 at 730 in the morning. Yeah. And by 8.45, they're abreast of the 4th Indian Division moving forward. It's absolutely great. And at 0.925, Lieutenant Colonel Shepard, GSO-1, on behalf of the Divisional Commander, advises 9 Corps that as far as could be judged, defences had ceased to exist. 7th Army could go on as fast as, and far as it liked. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. And Tuka says at the end, he says, this battle was completely and cheaply won by surprise in the darkness, then by surprise by the weight of fire, and then by the consequent speed which prevented the enemy from using his reserves to seal up in front of the thrust line. Yeah. His favourite defensive tactics, if he were ever allowed the time to detect the thrust line and then to bring up the reserves, which he's not able to do. And they're further not able to do it because in a further development of allied combined arms power at around 7 a.m in the morning comes over the first line of of fighter planes and bombers mary cunningham commander of the um north uh, northwest africa tactical air force and a whole host of other dignitaries are now standing on the finally captured grenadier hill watching this these wave after wave of fighter bombers of medium bombers coming over and pulverizing the german positions further up towards Tunis, mm. over up the valley. And um, Harold Balfour, who is the Undersecretary for, uh, of State for Air, says, I never realised what complete air superiority meant until I saw this example of military and air movements carried yeah. out without the slightest attempt by the enemy aircraft at interference. 
There's this great passage, though, where he says, Here as I sat ruminating in a hayfield, General Anderson, first army commander, came to see me and told me that the army plan had worked very well for our attack in this other six. He was obviously unaware that, except for a few administrative details, very little remained of the plans originally propounded. <laughs> obviously thought to himself, you know. Um, uh, but he was very pleased and it had been a cheap, that it had been a cheap success. The sun shone and the hayfield smelt sweeter than any other hayfield I've ever sat in. It was right to forget those troublesome conferences. We forgot them. By seeking always throughout the past months to clear matters up in private meetings rather than at conferences, we always succeeded in keeping disagreements from becoming public property, even within our own division. I think that is interesting. That's fascinating. It was thus one formed one's own plans in personal consultation with one's own brigadiers. The only difference being that we met in sight of the ground over which we were to fight. So he's saying, you know, what the conferences are for is telling everyone what's going to happen rather than having rather than arguing about what's going to happen. Yeah. It's a, remarkable, it, 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 it is a remarkable victory because it, 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 it punches a, a hole through what on paper is still quite a strong German position. And you can absolutely see it turning into a sort of bloody mess and taking three days uh, and, and, you know, lots of wounded and dead at the end of it on both sides. Whereas in actual fact, the whole thing is all over in six hours from, from 3.30 in the morning to 9.25. And and total casualties for Fourth Indian Division are 137. It's uh, it, it it's very interesting, isn't it? Because um, he nevertheless <laughs> does you know doesn't <laughs> doesn't get any further up the tree. Duke, well, he gets ill, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he does. Yeah, but you know, you 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 think maybe maybe he should get a core at the end of this. Well, maybe because he's basically yeah. run a core core battle, isn't he? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Why I don't remember it's because he's at Indian Army is all that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, don't forget when he go into Italy, Sicily, and Italy. Who's in charge is Monty. Yeah, yeah. He's not a big yeah. fan of the Indians. Uh, no. doesn't not a big fan of Indian Army and doesn't like people who've got their own opinions. He likes yes men who are going to do what he says. Well, and feels I think he feels he's got enough on his plate having bent Eighth Army to his will without having to. I then think it's my, it and do r- a different thing. You can characterise it as wanting yes men, but it's also wanting thinking. Look, I've, I've got this working now. For Christ's sake, my yeah. way. Last but, but, thing I need is someone coming in and saying had thought of doing it differently. Well, I, I think that I, I suspect that's exactly what's going on. But it's a shame yeah. that he's you know it's bad luck for him. But anyway, yeah. it is fascinating and it's interesting because when, when it comes to sort of Lionel Wigram and his report on operations in Sicily, he says, well, you know, we're so dependent on barrages and all the rest of it. They're a complete nightmare. They never work. Timing's always always off off kilter. Yeah. Um, ends up with more casualties. You know, what you really want to be doing is sort of, you know, infiltrations at night, you know, and silently. And and, and even later on in the Italian campaign, I remember when doing, doing the uh, Natal Carboneers, they're doing an attack on, It's a, I think it's a, is it a sixth or is it a fifth South African Armoured Division? are operating mm. in the mountains on the Gothic line and they're doing attack and they do an attack with a barrage, you know, at, at, um, at first light and it gets bloodily repulsed. And then, the, then they do it again as a uh, on a, you know, a few days later, they're on the next peak and they do a silent attack, you know, w- where the, the infantry attacking are attacking the Germans at the very, very first light. So they're, they're moving up in darkness and they're attacking at the first light and it's complete success and there's no artillery involved whatsoever. And, and, it, and it is amazing how, you know, that is, that's October 1944 that <laughs> that's happening. And here you've got this sort of model battle. And then there's certain things that, that work in the favour, the geography, obviously helping the radio comms and all the rest of it. But surely this is a template 
for 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 how to how to conduct things and it, you know and it, it it you know concentrations are used obviously repeatedly but 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 they never quite get away from dependence on barrages to precursor any infantry attack except on very very rare occasions because fundamentally they don't trust the training of the infantry to be able to do it and 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 that is the other difference of course is that tuna's trained all his infantry to kind of very high level whereas a lot of the guys are coming through and, and obviously you've got this constant sort of you know the grind you know the meat grinder so you've got this constant sort of new arrival of new recruits who don't know how to do this stuff and aren't in quite the sort of you know same well, and state he's, but he has he has volunteers he has he, he, he isn't it's the Indian Army. It's not conscripts. So there's there's a there's a different set of motivations at play, um, and therefore a different relationship between officers and men, and between training and men, and all that sort of thing. So he 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 sort of has that luxury. It, um, and and after all, because because the British and the Indian Army operate on that you run your division your way style. He's running it his way, and and he's lucky enough to have volunteers. You know, was it, you wonder. You wonder how he'd have dealt with, you know, Fourth British Division. Uh, actually, how he'd have trained them, how how that would have worked out for him, because he'd spent the interwar years in the Indian Army, you know, with with, you know, and and he didn't form Fourth. That Frank Westphy formed that version of Fourth Indian Division, but he took he took it over and sort of gave it the, the you know, applied electrodes to it to turn it into yeah his, yeah yeah format yeah i just think it's so it's, it's so interesting because it is it's one it's one very very rare battle where everything the goes plan doesn't plan. go does it, it it all goes to plan it doesn't it doesn't yeah. fall apart it doesn't you know it is and it is completely successful and 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 there's no, absolutely no question that tuka's approach is completely vindicated what the germans the say about it they were absolutely crushed they, they'd never experienced such weight of fire all this kind yeah. of stuff and i it, you know the one thing that Tuka doesn't give credit to in his memoir is the kind of the effect of the of the air attack, which obviously yeah. plays a huge part. It's that combination, and, and what you're seeing is, and this is why I think the Tunisia campaign is so incredibly interesting, is you're suddenly see, you're you're seeing the Allies and the and the coalition, the Western Allied coalition, kind of working out. Finally, this is how you do it. Yeah. But but it's amazing that that once they get into Europe, you know, a lot of these lessons which are fine, being kind of sort of fine tuned in, in 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 Tunisia, and particularly with something like Operation Strike, are kind of you know to a certain extent forgotten again because of yeah. the factors that we've just been talking about. But 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 it is that it's that marriage of air, land, and sea that that, that Alexander talks about in June. You know, it's 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 this is how you do it, and and it's yeah. absolutely in keeping with the steel, not flesh approach. It's it's trying to kind of minimise casualties and and use firepower and artillery and technology to do as not much of the hard yards yeah. as possible. But yeah. this is this is Operation Strike is the absolute kind of top draw how to do it. Well, that thanks, Jim. Um, that, that was all. That was absolutely fascinating. I, I, yeah, it's good. I it's think good. It, it makes you it keeps you thinking. This one. Well, the thing, but the thing I think the thing in the background is that that they figured radio out because none of this would be possible. Yeah, that's really interesting. Without proper radio comms. Uh, don't forget, um, we have Ways Fest um, uh, September the eighth to the tenth. Because it is a strange thing. I'm the weekend. I ran into a, a couple of uh, we have Ways people. Um, 
uh, uh, it was very nice to talk to them, but neither of them knew about the festival. So what's wrong with you people? Don't you listen to the bit right at the end where we do our hard sell? I know a lot. It's funny. I've been listening to quite a lot of uh, other podcasts lately, and they're very keen on the hard sell, some of them. They're very... Uh, Did it put you off? Did it put you off a bit? It does, actually. It, it, it makes me think, all right, I'm here, aren't I? I, I don't like people being swanky on me. I don't mind them giving me a hard sell, but I don't like them saying, you can come to our brilliant event or, you know, you can say this. I, I, I prefer to show that it's good. I can tell you that we've got lots on. There's, there are some amazing speakers. There's going to yeah. be a lot of hardware. You know, if this is your subject matter, I think you'd have a really fantastic time. It's as simple as that. It's, it's as simple, simple as that. as that, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we will see you all very, very soon. Thanks for listening to this uh, Operation Strike uh, uh, examination. I, I'm not so sure about the expression deep dive. I think the problem with the deep dive is you might get the bends afterwards. That's the problem. Yeah, no, okay. Well, we'll, 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 we'll remove that. We'll call um, it something else. Okay. Well, we're just sort of <laughs> look, looking at it in a little bit more detail than usual. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing this podcast isn't necessarily good at, it's co- it'll take. We'll come up with a way of saying deep dive. It's our own way, but it's just going to take a little while. Heavy concentration, Jim. A heavy concentration. Oh, that's strong. It's strong. <laughs> it's on message. It's a stonk. We've stonked the subject. <laughs> yeah, we stonked the subject. Love that. <laughs> well, brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening. We will see you all again very soon. Bye bye. Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>